So we are so excited to welcome Lisa, um, a licensed marriage and family therapist, as well as a trauma therapist who has built an amazing online presence on TikTok and Instagram with her username. So my mom's a therapist. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm excited. Um, so how can you just tell anybody who doesn't know the context, how you got into therapy and the mental health industry? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I don't, I don't share this story very often. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. It was a second career for me. So I was a high school math teacher in my twenties and I had three um, little kids and then stayed home for a while with them and then went back, went back with the sole purpose. Originally, um, a friend of mine invited me on a trip. He was going on a business trip to Ethiopia and he said, I'll pay your way if you want to come. And I was like, score. So there I was, yeah. I was a mom at the time with three kids. I'd just gotten, just been divorced. And then, um, I was running around Ethiopia and was there and in sitting on the business meetings and see all these people doing amazing things in these nonprofits, um, really felt originally like my niche was to support humanitarian workers. So when I originally went back to school to get a merit, uh, master's in marriage family therapy, it was specifically to specialize in humanitarian workers. Uh, obviously it's branched out since then and I have a private practice and specialize in trauma, uh, but believe right. it or not, I still, I still have, I have clients in Congo and Turkey and all over. So, and now you have such a big online presence on TikTok. So how did you make that transition? That just started, um, seven months ago. That kind of was a, a joke. I was leaning over my, my youngest one, my baby, who is not a baby. Um, I was like kind of <laughs> leaning over her shoulder and she, you know, obviously, so a good portion of my private practice is, um, teenagers and 20 somethings over half. And so I, I'm very familiar with all, you know, I'm familiar with TikTok. I'm familiar with anime. I'm familiar with all these different things that, uh, you know, variety of teen teenagers are into. And I was just leaning over her shoulder and there was this darling, cute little, like 20 year old in spandex giving like three dating tips, which I were like, that is the opposite of what I would say. And I was like, what is, what is this shit? And they're like, oh yeah, there's like a ton of them on there's these dating coaches on TikTok. And I was like, well, I'm going to make some, I'm going to make some videos with some good advice. And they were like, okay, well, let me do that. And, uh, <laughs> and my middle one was like, well, mom, if you really want somebody to watch your video, you need to stitch it with the video that's already popular. I just didn't realize, I just thought you were supposed to talk to it if you stitched it. So I just started talking to the person, like what I would say to them if I was sitting to them. And that's how it started. And it's so true because I feel like too, um, people always say, if you're trying to, or you probably weren't even trying to like gain traction on TikTok, you're like, I just want to help people. But people are always looking for something that they haven't yet found on the app. And I feel like we're always yeah. looking, like everyone could, you know, really benefit from the advice that you give. Thank you. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, I only thought I'd make a handful. I thought it was kind of, it was just, it having some harder things in my life, it was just something that was fun and goofy for me. Um, and and I wasn't, I mean, I was, I'd be sitting like with, you know, in my PJs with my like hot mess rolling out. And I just kind of would just kind of throw it in whenever I did. And I, I was, I think I surprised as everybody else that people kept finding it, but the comments, the comments, I couldn't believe how much they touched me to be like, oh my gosh, I feel so normal. Or that makes so much sense. And that was so life-giving for me. That's why I kept making them is when people were like, you're changing the way I'm looking at relationships. You're changing the way I'm dating. And I think that like, honestly, that has been like priceless. So I was curious, like if there's a common question you get, I know you can't answer all of them, but do you see like a trend of people asking you something consistently? Yes. I mean, well, the first question I always get is, um, are you see cl seeing clients virtually? Will you do a session with me? And uh, <laughs> like, it was just very fly, but it just, it breaks my heart. How many, I'm not talking hundreds. I am talking 
thousands of people that are wanting help. Like if anything, yeah. sometimes it just, oh, it so saddens me. And again, makes me want to like put out content because people don't have access to not just therapy, but I think good therapy. One that's not yeah. just like sitting there listening to you, not going anywhere, but like, all right. Like, and I always tell my clients when they first come, I'm going to be here. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to affirm you. And then I'm going to be like, all right, pull up your little big girl panties. Here we go. Like, let's do something. And I'll, you know, and I want to try to drive you to do something different and put tools in your hands because, because if we don't do anything different, nothing changes. After that, I, it, I would, I, I would put it under the big blanket of unknowns. So things that people can't figure out, we can't figure out things that are unknown, ghosting, why I can't gain traction, what to do with my first few dates, because everyone's trying to figure it out like a recipe and I, I think I'm trying to put out a very different message of we got to go about this differently. So it's all those things of like trying to figure out how do I make this work so I get the results I want. Um, right. And that's probably that's probably the biggest theme that I see. And then breakups. That's that's the only. You specialize in trauma. So when it came to the past two ongoing three years of the pandemic, did were you? I just was interested in like your perspective on how this has all affected all of us. I know that's a big yeah. question, no. but. It's a really good question. And I don't, I mean, I really think it needs to be continued to be talked yeah. about. Even if we ever get to a place where this is like, uh, we talk about it in the past, it still needs to be talked about because there's a delayed fallout and that's what's not yeah. addressed. Like right before this last wave, when things started to get better and the back to normal, do you remember like right before the wave and everybody was like, okay, wait, here we go. Everything's opening up everything. And I actually saw more, a, more of a, a letdown then. Um, because there's a mm -hmm. delayed effect because people will go into a survival response to get through something. And then once it feels like it's in the clear, their bodies will be like, okay, you can melt down now. So it is, it will be an ongoing thing. Um, and for a lot of people, I would say there's going to be some like PTSD, like symptoms. Like I have some clients who now as their schools are starting to shut back down are having to go back home. I mean, the worst thing you can do for a teenager, honestly, is stick them in, in, a, in a home and they're like some of them are like i'm back in my room again and it's like my body's like get me the fuck out of here you know on the flip side you'll have little bodies that love being home because they have really really high social anxiety and anxiety and the home is their comfort place that's not helpful either because all we're yeah. doing is reinforcing that so when they do re-enter the world i mean some of them they don't want to enter the world they, they rather stay in their virtual world in their room you know which again yeah. very much tied to high levels of depression and high levels of anxiety. Yeah. I think there's going to be definitely a fallout, a, a fallout for quite a few years. Yeah. Is there anything that we can like actively do or anything you'd suggest to like sort of help us? Although like, yes, we are stuck at home and like, I guess we could find hobbies, but like, is there anything you um, would like tell someone who came to you with an issue like that? Yeah. So what I'm, what I'm constantly looking for when I'm looking uh, particularly for low mood and depression, but for both anxiety and depression and people that are struggling, I do I have them do a real quick, like five point checklist to, just throughout their day. Um, if, especially if they're not feeling super great. And the five point checklist is five things that help us just automatically feel better. One, am I getting outside, getting outside outdoors, even when you're in Boston and it's cold, <laughs> I don't, I don't have that problem, but like, you know, yeah. it's, hard. Like, it's like, it's super cold. So getting outside, moving your body, I don't care if it's, if it's like you're going for a walk, it has somehow your body, your heart rate is getting up. You know, I, I'll throw in there. Like, I don't care if it's like you're having sex and the, the, the call my college kids are like, yes, you are giving me permission. My therapist, I need to go have sex. I'm like, hold on here a sec. So getting outside, 
moving our body. So our heart rate's getting up and we're sweating that, that exercising and not necessarily exercising, just moving your body and getting your heart rate up is so tied to our mental health. So getting outside, moving your body, connecting with other people in person's always better. Like you were talking about hobbies. Um, however, if what you have is access to online, getting a group together and, and finding it around something that you enjoy, whether you all enjoy tennis or you enjoy books or you enjoy pets, give yourself a commonality to talk about. Okay. So, so that's the third one is connecting with other people. One, the fourth one is what am I contributing to my day? And if people are really having a hard time contributing to their day, I'll have them start with making their bed. I heard, grab this from somebody else. And I loved it because it's simple. I mean, not just make your bed, like make the shit out of your bed. Like it is like tied. Everything's tight. There's like, like no creases. Like, you know what I mean? Every pillow is perfect. So that when you go get in bed at night, you're like, I did this today. I accomplished yeah. today. So start small, but we need to contribute. Life demands us to contribute. If we stop contributing to our day, we lose a sense of purpose. And there's that comes in that sense of like, blah, or like, blah, I don't have any motivation. Um, and then the fifth one is watching our, our eating and sleeping. Too much or too little isn't helpful. Too much eating isn't helpful. Too little eating isn't helpful. Too much sleep isn't helpful. Too little sleep isn't. So just keep a pulse on the the sleeping, which I think is actually a really, really big one because the majority of people I see, it's their, their sleep's getting all wonky with COVID. They're going to bed at four or five in the morning. Um, and that that's right. kind of messing with them. So what's interesting little... is when you think about it, it's like, those are basic needs that we like should crave. But sometimes I think it does seem so untangible or like you forget almost it's like, you know, like sleep, eat, like seeing people active, like activity, like those are all basic needs. So, um, like when in doubt you just got to think back to that exactly and so if you feel like you're having kind of a yuck day all you have to do is wait okay how many of these have i done if you're like gosh i've only done one okay how can i add one more of those to my day something simple like real easy it's not an all or nothing it's so hopeful and then switching gears a little bit when you get all of your dating and um like dating app questions on social media that people ask you do you feel like with COVID and then the integration of apps, do you feel like that's changed the game a lot for people? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I have this like newfound passion about talking about dating apps because I, because I, people really demonize them, like demonize them. Like they hate yeah. them. And I'm like, I think like we, I think people need to go to like therapy about how much that not their issues with their mom and their dad, but their issues with like, we need to make the dating app. We need to personify it and make it a person. There's this love hate relationship for sure. What I see, and I'll, you see it in all the TikTok videos, God bless them. I just like absolutely love them where they're just like, yeah, I'm over it. Like why I'm like, I'm I'll match with them. And then the minute they match with me, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to talk with you. Or here I am on a dating app and I have no desire to date and really understand. I, I think people, we, we don't do well when we do something over and over again and either get a neutral or a negative outcome. And I think that's, that's what's happened. Um, and I also think almost people need to learn how to use them to benefit them, right? Um, so, and, and again, I always promote balance. So I think if you go on and you meet one person and you're and that one person you're talking to and nothing happens and you, or they were, you feel very rejected or abandoned by them and you have that one in one instance, that's, that's not going to help you very much. Why? When you think about how many people are on the app and you're like, this person was an asshole or they didn't treat me well. On the flip side, if you got too many fish coming through the door, like so many fish, that also isn't good for your, that's not helpful to your nervous system. So I'm looking trauma therapist means I'm looking at our nervous system and how, how it interacts, how it interfaces with those. 
So we need to learn how to like open the door, let a few fish in, close the door, chat, get to know those fish, see if I want to clear the pond, right? And then be like, okay, I've talked with a few, some of them kind of fizzled, or I don't want to see them again, then open the door again, let a few more little fish in, shut the door. But people don't know how to open and shut the door. They see like people who have like toxic relationships that they like always seem to like go back into or like um, even though they know it's not going to work like in the, in the sixth time around and like sort of like gaslighting and stuff. So like what would your like thoughts or maybe some like suggestions on how to sort of like exit yourself out of that scenario? Like what, what do you think like really brings people back to that relationship? A, a couple a couple factors. Um, I think one of them, one of the biggest one is either boredom or, or lack of something else in their life. So, and this is, I'm, I'm not for encouraging people to like jump from relationship to relationship. I'll use the analogy of like Tarzan a lot, like just put down the vine. You don't need to swing from one to the other. And yet some people will swing right from one to the other. However, what happens if you have, if you've finished dating somebody and our body, our body cannot, our, our brain cannot hold this thought. We have a difficult time holding this thought that says, you could meet somebody you knew. You don't know who you're going to meet next week. It, it can't, it, it forgets that. It, it keeps thinking that that's the last time you're going to feel that way, right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to, I, what I like to do is shift it so that we're not attaching those feelings to that old person. We're attaching, we're, we're actually going the other way around, which is my body has these sensations and it's tying that person to the way my body feels. Thank you for being a placeholder that I could feel feel that way so that my focus is on my body, not on, I have to have that person in order to get those feelings. So what I often will do is start reshaping it that way. And then I will encourage them to go on a date or go interact in communities more because they have to meet other people because what often, and, and this is where they get stuck too. They'll go on a date and a date remember is like this shallow you've spent like two hours. So it's like, blah, right. It's just like a little, you know, and this person, they have all this emotional depth and they'll compare the two and they'll be like, this sucks. I don't want this. I want this. Right. Yeah. And that's where we need to tend to our body. I know we want that. They're a placeholder. Thank you that I can feel that way. Thank you. I can have those deep feeling feelings. And they're the last person I felt them with, which is why it's so strong and say, but if I want a chance of feeling that again, I got to keep going this way. So I kind of, I validate the feeling. I validate that I want that. Right. And then I come back here and say, but if I want that, I need to go this way and I need to be interacting with other people. If you sit there, especially if you're not the one that wanted that relationship to end. Right. Or if, or if you did because of some negative things, we, we hold a circle, we hold our good experiences with someone and our negative experiences with someone. And what makes us leave if we're the one leaving is it's too many negative experiences. Like I am done. This is toxic. I'm out. And those are the negative experiences. Then what happens in a timeline, if we stop spending time with the person, the negative experiences stop because we're not around them anymore. Oh and our God. brain will go back to the, just the positives. Now I just got these positive lumps and I'm like, oh, but all that. And we end up creating a person that is only half of who they are. So another thing I would encourage, so one, I'd encourage you to get around other people, interact with other people. That's the first thing I'd encourage. Go on dates. Right. Even if you're like, this sucks, I don't want to be there. I'd be like, I know, go. We're not trying to push you into a relationship. It's not to get into another relationship, interacting with people filling up, filling up space. The second thing I would, I would have people do is when I think of them and I think that they did this or they did that and they start going with the top, I'd say, okay, that is true. What else is true? And I work with them on filling out the bottom part and then saying, if we go back, we're going back to the whole thing. 
right? And making yeah. decisions. And then I also have them do what's called a safety net. This is the third thing. I hope I'm not giving you too much. Um, no, the third thing I'll have them do is in those moments. Sometimes it's not all the time. Sometimes it is a moment of weakness. I don't know if you girls have ever had that. And your girlfriend's like, don't send the text. And you're lonely. You miss being loved. You miss the attention. You miss the intimacy. Again, just the top parts of the circle. So understandable. So understandable. So I have them create a safety net, which is who, who's your reach out? Who's the girlfriend you call at three in the morning or text at three in the morning? Be like, I'm texting you because I'm not going to text them. And they're going to be like, don't do it. Put it in your notes, write it in your notes. Okay. Do it in the morning. If you still want to do it, somebody who can like, because it's not just about having willpower inside of us. It is getting the scaffolding around us, the safety net around us to hold this up when let's just be honest, we don't always make the right decisions or the best ones, you know? So those are like three of the main things that I'll work on. That's awesome. It's like actually tangible advice I feel like people will benefit from. But I think it's so interesting too, because you said this before, like, oh, if you want change, you have to like break the cycle. So it's like you, if you want, like that relationship didn't work. So you have to like, you can't expect it to work again. So you have to, you know, change the cycle. Yeah. And it's, let's just, it's hard when it's yeah. you and your emotions. It's really hard. You know, it's, it's really hard. And I've, in my personal life, I've been in situations where I, you know, a girlfriend was just, you know, really, really feeling like it was, it was the end of her marriage. And most people around were, could, were just like, oh, this is not good. This is not healthy. And being able to say like, look, we want more for you. We, we want you to be treated better. Right. However, we're, we love you and we support you wherever you are in that relationship, you yeah. know, and that's because we're not the, you're not the ones in it. You're not the ones yeah. with the emotion, the emotional tie. That grace, I feel like is so important. And it's funny because Julie, I was in a like five year, very tumultuous relationship. Um, like we ended in 2020, which is funny because it was like right before COVID happened. Great timing for me. But um, Julie would always just be like, you guys just aren't compatible, but she wouldn't ever judge me, which really helped. Um, and I think a way to explain it is I saw an interview with John Mayer recently and he was saying like, when he was in his twenties, there was nothing better than somebody like healing what they did to hurt you. Like that just, that would feel so good in the moment, you know, and mm -hmm. he, it, like somebody repairing the mess that they made. And he was like, now that I'm in my forties, I want somebody to say, I wouldn't even do that to you to begin with, you know? So I think like, I'm definitely in a place now where I'm like, I just don't want somebody to have to keep apologizing or making things up. Like so it's like, I definitely think it's something that you have to realize for yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big, I think that's a big theme of a lot of my messages is people don't realize when we stop being a little kid, which I hope parts of us never do. I think parts of us should be childlike and we don't want to lose those. But when we stop being like under our parents' roof and being a child, we have to learn how to parent ourselves. And a parent has two a, a healthy Caring parent needs two qualities. They need to be nurturing and loving, and they need to be protective. And that's the muscle we each of us need to build in ourselves that says, I'm, I love you. I'm going to tend to you. I'm going to care for you when you're down. And also I'm going to stand up and protect you. And I look at this behavior and I say, this is not helpful. This is not caring. And so we are going to pick you up and walk you out. And it's building this muscle inside of us that tends to uh, tends to ourselves, so that our partner, whoever we're dating is, is simply the icing on the cake. So whether you are there or not, I am still okay. And you guys have heard me say that before the little cupcake analogy, whether the, the frosting's on the cupcake or not, the cake is still pretty damn good. And that's mine to tend to. That's mind attentive. Mm -hmm. And I think he was getting at that.
sorry, we just have so many questions for you. You're so wise. Um, I heard you say like, you know, life is always going to have like situations that are hard. And so regardless, like that's sort of the part of life. Um, I can't remember if I'm saying that right, Sophia, maybe you can see it on the notes there. Um, but yeah, just that like life is going to have these hardships struggles regardless. Are life. Yeah, struggles are part of life. Yeah, no, no, um, it, it's so true. And I, I mean, I, I think, I hope people feel this. Like I really put myself in the trenches with you guys of figuring out life. I don't have it all figured out, um, you know, but um, I, I think that was one of my big, profound moments in my life when when somebody I was working with said to me you know life you know struggles pain is not an intrusion of life it's a part of life and she was like well what makes you think this is not fair what why 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 it's it that's part of the definition of life and yet we somehow end up with this idealized fantasy version of life that there should be no hardship and no pain so that when it happens we're like why us instead of realizing that's part of the definition of life and then the goal of a lot of, I'm hoping a lot of therapists like myself is how do we help people learn how to navigate hard things? So I have to learn how to trust myself to navigate hard things. So whether there are hard things coming or not, I'm not okay. What creates a really survival response body, a very trauma body is that we don't trust ourselves to navigate hard things. And because of that, I have to like know what's coming down the future. I've got to know what's coming. I got to run through every scenario to try to protect myself right? Or at the, some, right. at the minute like something's going wrong, I'm out. That's a survival. It's a trauma body. And part of it is because we do not trust ourselves to navigate hard things, to navigate hard things. Side note though, I have to tell you just from, I've had definitely my share of hard things in life. That's an understatement. But um, I have to tell you that the, the, these deep relationships, these, these close moments, I think you guys know, I just lost my dad last week. And I'm so sorry. I, Thank you for that. As hard as that was, like the, the collateral beauty of these beautiful moments with me and my sisters all together in our pajamas, like these, the suffering also brings these really precious moments and these yeah. deeper friendships. I don't think that some of these relationships would go as deep without, without suffering. There's a great book on it called Tribe. It's a really great book. It's just how we are meant to be there for each other and that these, this depth grows in hardship. Um, we had some listener questions, if you don't mind, because um, somebody, we just like posted it on her our story, like we're having a, a therapist come on. And it was so interesting to me and Julie, because a lot of people said that they didn't have access to therapy. And we'll just say a few, but um, one of them is how to stop intrusive thoughts. So for anybody who, let me, let me back up for anyone that doesn't yeah. know what intrusive thoughts are, they're under the umbrella of anxiety. Um, they're part of, some people consider them part of OCD, obsessive compulsive behavior. So intrusive thoughts are thoughts that you don't necessarily want, or they, they feel like they're more kind of like violating you is the way I put it. It's like, they feel like they're kind of coming in and they're coming in and they're coming in and they're hitting you. And it's not necessarily that you, you want them there. They also tend to have a feature, a feature of being on a hamster wheel, meaning that they loop and they loop and they loop. And if you try to reason with them, it's almost like it will reroute around you and keep going. Right. So, um, and, and they're hard. They're, they're, they're very, and by the way, when they come in, it activates your nervous system. So you literally could have this thought coming in of your head or a movie playing out in your head, like a, like you're, you'll start creating a movie in your head or an intrusive thought and your body's reacting as if it's all happening. Right. So for instance, another question, comments I get 
a ton on my live is like, I'm 25. I've never had a boyfriend. I'm 30. I've never had my first kiss. I'm going to be single my whole life. All that does, those are intrusive thoughts. If they get on a loop, all that does, I mean, your body's activating intense, right? Because anxiety needs something to do. So if we can write a letter, you know, like if, if, some, if you see some, like if you saw a kid falling out of a, out of, if you saw a toddler falling out of a, a, um, a stroller and you like, you ran over and, and, and caught them, your body, th- that action actually helps regulate your body. But intrusive thoughts are things that are happening and your body has nothing to do to regulate itself. So it activates your body and makes it tense. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so, so it, it kind of gets it stuck. And by the way, side note, any of those big macro thoughts, macro thoughts are like conclusions about the world. This world's not safe. I will always be single. If everything's like a conclusion, they don't sit well in our body because it gives them, our body has nothing it can do in those big thoughts. We need micro, we need micro, we need something that we can do. Um, but, but going back to what you were, you were uh, talking about with the, um, with the intrusive thoughts, one, let me, to give you some skills that you can try. So one of the things you need to do, I always, I use the analogy of intrusive thoughts are like, all of a sudden you're like in the water and you're floundering. Like you're just like the intrusive thoughts are there and they're rolling. You're trying to like, you know, you're trying to tread water, you're trying to get out and like, then your brain kind of reroutes around it and keeps going. So part of what we need to do, you can't, you can't access your rational brain in while intrusive thoughts are happening right? It's, it's, you can't come in and be like, you know, oh no, but that's not true. Cause your brain will be like, yeah, but what about this? And it'll keep, it'll keep looping. So part of the biggest, the biggest tool I can give you is see if you can catch, and this takes practice. It's not easy. It's not easy. And it takes time, but see if I can catch like, oh, I'm on a hamster wheel again. Oh, I'm in the water again. I'm getting flooded by these thoughts. Get an analogy that works for you, whether it's a hamster wheel, you know, you're flooding, you're drowning in the water, something that makes you, oh, I have a movie running into my head. If I can start to recognize that I'm doing it, it, it gets it tries to get me a foot outside of it. Because what I to give you an analogy, we need to get outside the water so I can hold the water. I can't be in the water and like trying to save myself. So does that make sense? Absolutely. And I it's funny because I didn't ask this question, but I dealt with this a few years ago. And what helped me was like the new it was news to me when somebody was like, You are not your thoughts. Like if you have a thought that's like a meat, like if you take pride in being a good person and you have a mean thought about somebody, like you don't have to identify with a thought and be like, why would I think this? Like, you know what I mean? Like you can just let it go. Not, that's easier said than done, but you know what I mean? No, 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 exactly. So, so even you saying, even if you can come in and say, wait, I'm not my thoughts. Like, oh, that thought just, oh, I'm on a hamster wheel again. And what I often have them tied to it is I will have them tie the brain functioning. I'll have them say, okay, oh, there's those hamster wheel thoughts again. And then I'll have them say, oh, thank you, amygdala. The amygdala is the middle part of my brain that sniffs out potential threat, potential, not, not always real, but potential threat. And it's something, it's there. So let's say I saw, let's say I saw a post, let's say I saw something that made me feel like I was single and lonely. Then all of a sudden right. my brain goes, it's going to always be this way. And what I would have them do is like, oh, thank you, amygdala. Thank you for, oh, I'm on a hamster wheel again. And I start seeing if I, because that can kind of get me outside the thought. You can't reason in the content. This is a big one. You cannot reason in the content of those thoughts. You have to get outside of it, get outside the water, get outside of it and say, oh, thank you, amygdala. You are really working hard. You're trying to protect me because you don't want me. You don't want me to be hurt. And if I can like think, and I have some of them call it Amy, but some of them is if you can get outside of it, then I can say, I know this sucks. I know this is, this is from outside. I know this sucks. 
how, how about we, let's call what can we do? And I'll do something sensory, calling a friend, go get a coffee, go for a walk. It's got to go through my body right now until my brain kind of calms down. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think if you're empathetic, I think things from the outside can just affect you more. You know, like if you watch the news a lot or just hearing people talking, complaining, like all that's going to, I feel like get into your subconscious. So just because you have a thought or something doesn't mean it's from you either. Yeah. Can we talk on that for a sec? Cause I think yeah. that's a really important talking point. No, no pun intended. Um, is that, <laughs> that I have clients that really struggle with this one where they will have a really creepy or disturbing thought. And I think somebody needs to put this out there to say, you are not creepy. If you have a creepy thought, you are not disgusting or disturbing if you have a really disturbing thoughts. And trust me, as a therapist, I've heard, I've heard, a, lot, I've heard a lot of disturbing thoughts. And I'm telling yeah. you it, 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 that we need to think of it as balloons. We need to think of them as balloons. A, a, a thought that just comes out of nowhere is like a balloon flo floating by in front of you. Some of us, though, we are so used to not having a gate that that balloon kind of floats right into our body. It kind of takes over and then we feel all the effects of that thought. And we want to start working on a visual that says, no, this is a balloon that floated up. The thought initially just came in front of me and I have the choice whether I want to swap the balloon away or if I want to take it in and make it grow. And so yeah. we want to have, just see if I can just have that pause. Some people will say, no, I, I, I hear that thought and it floods right in. And they say, well, that's why we have to work on this muscle. We're not used to realizing the initial thought that's there. That's not us. That's not us. Right. So it's trying to put yeah. a gatekeeper around us a little bit there. Yeah. And that's important because I feel like people don't talk about this enough. So I feel like just this conversation, the person who asked, well, it'll be a relief to them because they're like, I don't need to identify with these things, yeah. you know? Um, and then this is like a two-part question that somebody asked. Um, so it's a little long, but it's, I'll make it short. They just asked how to deal with a family member that is an addict. When is it okay to let go? How to manage the guilt? And then the second part of it is that the person went into more detail and said that their sister is an addict and their nine-year-old le nephew lives with them. And um, until she, her sister gets clean and she has moments where she'll try to set boundaries with the nephew and he will lash out. So she's like, how do I forgive my sister? But then how do I not get angry at a nine-year-old? You know, so I guess just managing that addiction cycle. Wow. That, that's a really complicated situation. I mean, first of all, yeah. I, my first initial thought is to kind of go to her. I think it sounds like it's a her um, yeah. and be like, like, are you okay? Like, that's your sister that I like life. I must feel like life must be so hard for her. Like, I almost want someone to be like, wait, before we just get into answering questions, like, are you okay? And where's your support system here? Because that's a, that's hard. And that is a lot that right. is when you're dealing with a, a addictions of any kind, uh, you know, substance addiction, you know, alcohol addiction, gambling addiction, sex addiction, um, addictions are just destructive. They are destructive. I, I don't demonize them because I, I always say, okay, let's understand why we do what we do. And I have a lot of understanding why people do what they do. And, and, and I look at addictions a little differently. However, they are extremely, they wreak havoc in people's life, in, in their own life and people around them. And it's, it's very, very hard. Mm -hmm. But what I do know about any kind of addiction, it, it has to be action-based. So any boundaries that are set with an addict can't be in words. I would say, save your breath, save your energy. It has to all be in actions and it has to all be movement. Um, so with a sister that's an addict, you know, and again, she would really need somebody to walk with her as far as like, 
um, who's really in, like really focuses on recovery, which isn't isn't my specialty, although I I, I have seen people um, individually for this, but really want because you need that they will walk and you kind of need that. I'd say get recovery support around you because you need someone to like walk with you and tell you they need to be sober for this amount of time before you even start to engage with them again. And you need to right. hear that from outside. Like you need to be sober. They need to be sober for a year or six months before you start even thinking about them taking the child back. If not, it's this like in and out cycle of, oh, they look good. They like, they look, they look good. And then we think so. And we bring them back. They come grab the kid again and then they'll go back and forth. The guilt yeah. is going to be a hard one. And that part I would validate. I wouldn't try to come in and cognitively reason is what I tell her. Don't try to say, no, I know, but this or that cognitive reasoning with guilt doesn't work. It's not what your body needs to hear. Guilt is in, guilt is an emotion. And so we need to, we need to start separating out um, our languages and explain this for a second. There's cognitive language and there's emotional language and there is different as English and French. Okay. So cognitive language is logical reasoning, right? Content-based. But when you're talking about guilt, that's not, that's not cognitive language. It's not English. And if you try to use English with it, it will not do it any good. Yeah. So we need to use French. We need to use an emotion. I'm using French because, you know, they're the lovers. They're the ones that make out. They're the ones that invented the French kiss. So we're going to call the emotional language French. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but what she needs is an emotional language to meet with the guilt. And that says, I know, I know this is so hard. I know you feel like you're abandoning your sister. Don't come in with reasoning right. there. We'll hit reasoning next. You have to speak their language first, which is, I know this is so hard. I know it feels like you're abandoning her. I know it feels like you are letting, you're letting go of her or you can't help her and really validating those emotional languages. And then later on coming in and coming in with some of that wisdom, but you can't access some of the wisdom until you validate first. And then you can follow up with some of the wisdom, which is you, you can't want it more than they do. What I would encourage her to do is when she's talking to him, one of the, just, just a simple skill. This is not a fix all. This is just something to put in her hands is to be able to, when she's talking to him, almost be like, all right, okay, come here, my little nine-year-old kind of to remind herself who she's talking to. This is a little body and a little person. And they are, you know, I saw a TikTok video last night. I loved it so much. And he was like, I'm going to tell you right now, I do not like any of my <laughs> He's like, I do not like kids They're He said, now I love all my children. I love yeah. them. He's like, but they're nasty. They're selfish. They throw tantrums. They demand. I do not like them as people. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Like, yes, <laughs> yeah. they have their moments that are cute, but overall as little human beings, they are tough. Like they're, they're tough. And I yeah. think she really use some of that mentality. It's okay for you not to like them. It's okay yeah. for you not like him loving him doesn't mean you always like him and it is hard by the way nobody child or adult ever ever gets excited about boundaries sometimes we act offended that people have a hard time with boundaries anybody i mean but what do you expect do, do you expect something you set boundaries and they're like oh thank you like thank you so much for setting that healthy boundary like what do we uh, a boundary is a fence yeah. people don't want fences so assuming ah maybe that they're not happy means that i'm actually really doing what i what, what is healthy boundaries um but right. not not easy that's a hard one they're gonna know what's like we know what's best for them like they're nine so it's like even though i like hurts and i'm sure it's like again you're not gonna like them in the moment mm -hmm. um you know it'll be healthy in the end well, and I did a video that actually I got um, 
I got uh, approached by USA Today and then did an article wow. for them about a video on we will often be the hardest on the person or the the the, the adult that is the safest because we don't oh. go anywhere. Our bodies know that they won't go anywhere. There, there's different, there's two different parts of this, but that's one part. And that's the part I was speaking is we will often be hard on somebody that we don't think will leave. So, I mean, all this has been so, so helpful. And I'm sure people are going to be, you know, eager to find more about you. So do you have like your social media where we can find you and others can find you? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So on TikTok, which is where I started, it's, uh, so my mom's a therapist. And um, it, I kind of, it's jokingly, I started with that name because no child, by the way, no teenager wants their mom to be a therapist. That's not, <laughs> everyone's like, do your yeah. kids love that you're a therapist? No, <laughs> not until one of their friends is in crisis. And then they're like, help. You know? Yeah. Um, and they're like, <laughs> yes. So uh, on TikTok, so my mom's a therapist, same thing on Instagram, which we just started. That's brand new and wonderful. But I love that because on my story, I, I'll put pictures of like the puppies and life and what books I'm reading. And um, so, so my mom's a therapist there, the one I'm most excited. And we're on YouTube. Um, I put up all my lives. I do lives on TikTok. I try to do multiple a week and I record them and put them up and my podcast over there. But the thing I'm most excited about actually is what you guys are doing, which is the podcast that I started. So my mom's a therapist. It's on Spotify, soon to be on um, Apple and iTunes. But um, loving that absolutely loving that platform and people send us voice memos um 60 second voice memos to my to my email so my mom's a therapist podcast and we answer those we answer the, vo the voicemails um, wow i feel like you're gonna just i mean you're already so good at like the social media thing but i feel like podcasts are definitely gonna really thrive because i mean this has just been like so interesting and i mean you're so like well spoken oh <laughs> i appreciate it i i appreciate it i I'm, if, it, if it's helpful to other people, that, that what's, that's what makes me happy. And I always, I don't know if you've heard any of them, but I always end, I just encourage people to be kind. Um, and I think that I'm, I'm, in, I'm, if anything, I feel like I'm trying to use my platform. I'm like, everyone, when you're given a platform, just like you guys, I'm like, all right, what am I going to use my platform for? And I think if there's anything our world needs more right now, it is kindness and compassion and less judgment. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the voice notes are good because if somebody can't afford therapy or something and they hear it, they can, you know, get some help in that way too. So I'm sorry again for your loss and thank you for doing this so soon after. And I hope you get to spend some quality time with your family. Yes. We have, we have lots of it, which has been, has been fun. And now that I know you guys are Italian and Greek. Yeah. We were just on a zoom call with my mom on Sunday, just, you know, putting it all, but you get like five, like, you know, and my dad was such a pro, a, a, a jokester anyways, but like, it, it's like, we're just, you know, it, again, the silver lining is like, we're all together and we're yeah. Like, yeah. sad, but we are like loving like our family time. So thank you. For yeah. That. Okay. And like celebrating his life. I feel like that's mm -hmm. the sentiment. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. You're yeah, the thank best. You. And I'm I hope you have the great rest of your day, Lisa. You're the best. And we're so thankful for you. Oh, I love spending time yeah. with you. That was fun. Thank you. Have a Bye. good thank one. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Good luck.